Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, the podcast where we explore the stories and passions behind some of the most fascinating winemakers, owners, people, wineries in Paso Wine Country. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. I am excited about today's episode. We have the privilege of sitting down with two incredible winemakers who have taken very different paths to get where they are today. Uh, Despite the differences, of course, both these winemakers are sharing a passion for crafting exceptional wines that truly showcase the beauty of Paso Wine Country. Damien Grinley, the owner and winemaker of Brecken Estate Winery. Now, Damien has an obvious love for winemaking and a less obvious love, we will learn, for something that has really shaped him in a lot of ways, and that is his passion for caving. Yeah, like pretty much going into caves and exploring thousands of feet underground. It's fascinating to see how this hobby and passion of his really has helped sculpt the winemaker he is today and actually plays into why he chose to settle in Paso in some ways. Next, we got Alex Bear from All Bear Wines, who may be new to the game with his own brand, but has an impressive resume and work experience at some of the most famed wineries in both the old and new world. Alex has worked at places like Petrus in Bordeaux, uh, Baroche in Chateauneuf in the Rhone Valley. In addition to working with like Guillaume Fabre here, of course, you know Guillaume from Closelin and Binom. He spent time at Sinequanon, a realm in Napa. He's got a unique story all his own, and I can't wait to learn it with you while I share it with you. Later in the episode, we'll shine a spotlight on some of the core team members of the Allegretto Vineyard Resort. Allegretto. After you stay there a little while, it just, it just comes out that way. Allegretto. Uh, don't forget, this is the last, 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 last chance you got to win a two-night stay at the Allegretto, which includes dinner at Cello and an Allegretto Vineyard wine tasting as well. So I show up to Brecken Estate Wines. It's on Vineyard Drive. We set up in their back members' lounge. I think we're coming into the conversation chatting about Brecken's helipad. Yeah, no joke. They got a helipad. Check it out. Give me that moonshine. We'll get by. We pass on round till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. I would have gotten here in like five minutes instead of 30. Yeah, you can see it from space. There's a light on the ground. You can see it from space? Yeah, I Googled Earth it, and you can see the... Oh, that's a a a high-resolution How often do you... Because, I mean, this is a little bit unfair, because all we hear is the landing strip at Halter Ranch. We didn't hear about the helipad at Brecken. Well, we don't want to advertise it, because we we don't want to annoy the neighbors. We only, like, once or twice a month, you know, because they're noisy. Well, because we've had some neighbor issues here with the... um, with the acorns and the fan. We don't have to say where. Because yeah. everyone, we've, <laughs> we already know about <laughs> There's that. There's been yeah. some neighbors. Uh, cheers, guys. This is cheers, so much brother. fun. I'm All excited. Right. We're hanging out at Brecken Estate. And uh, what do we call this room, Damien? This is our member's lounge. Um, noise. Yeah. And you can peek out into the cellar and, and keep an eye on the boys. Oh, damn. I didn't even see that part of it. Oh, yeah. you can. This shiny stainless steel and the barrels bubbling away. And then you can look out and the rolling hills out through the window. And, you know, who knew we were, should be a, an art gallery as well because the art on the wall sells in here. We've got a resident artist. Do you really? Uh, Adam Welsh down from San Diego. Oh, he, sure. He, Adam used to work up here. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. 
That's pretty cool. And, and people ri- will buy pieces from up here? Yes. Yeah. It's like one or two a week. It's quite amazing. Wow. Right? Wow. Um, and, and that piece that you're looking at on the third on the right there, that got written up in Mixed Media magazine yesterday. So that, that probably lasts about 10 minutes. That's uh, pretty cool. I'm surprised someone hasn't called up for it already. And I know you just had a recent anniversary, and I see the labeled bottles because we had you in studio to talk about this. It almost looks like a bag. It looks like a designer bag. I mean, you do like a really cool talk oh, about right. you know, Louis Bracon bag. <laughs> Louis yeah, Bracon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that is so say? good, yeah, Louis yeah, Bracon. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You didn't have that one in your back pocket when we had talked no, in the no, studio. No, you must have earned some, that recently. Yeah, someone, uh, someone uh, coined that. that? I was Damn. thinking it was a little like a, um, a Gucci bag, but uh, no, it's actually <laughs> Louis Bracon. <laughs> yeah, right. Louis Bracon Don. Sweet. So, uh, what anniversary? Was this our tenth anniversary? Yeah, we're a little over ten now. Well, yeah. There's a number of ten-year anniversaries. You know, it's the tenth vintage. It's the ten years since you bought the place there's the 10 years since opening so we're milking it yeah good for um, you no, yeah. that's all about it it's all about it cool oh we also got i'm excited to meet um alex bear for the first time really on the air yeah. in fact i think i had you on for a little bit at hospice to Rome. yeah yeah i thought i think that's where we first met right well we we talked on ig a little bit mm-hmm. back and forth mm-hmm. i loved your hustle with james suckling and he had a lot of really nice things to say about you on the podcast and on the air he really thoughtfully went through your wines yeah funny story so i like i gave him my 10 second elevator spiel yeah and what do you say when you, what's the first words when you go to james suckling? I, I don't know man hey, I'm alex, I'm all about, hey, what do you I'm say alex, like, yeah i make some wine um you know i what do you say yeah, that he, I, so he cares? You know what I mean? I like, mean, I think obviously I reflect on the places I've worked and then, you know, okay. that's like a Which great foot in the do. door. Uh, and then uh, I was like, dude, I would love to like taste with you one time. And he's like, how about you just taste with me in the the picnic tables next to the big grand tasting? And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Little did I know, like everybody there had like an ABC license and I was you know he's like go grab them right now we could do it right now and so like i brought my trader joe's bag with the bottles popped and yeah st- straight snuck them through and i uh, love it it's a great um, story yeah and so you know he was gracious enough to take some time with me and uh what did he say to you uh, uh nothing he was just pretty flattered with the wine and uh That's cool. it was a bit unsuspecting for him because uh out of all the people that he was been tasting with uh i think had something a little bit unconventional and so for me that's been great and uh he's become a great friend since then so. i know the time was interesting because uh, he was really kind of coming with your wines he was talking about top and some of these other ones and that he tasted just at that that event that were you know he didn't because he tastes wines from all over the place, Paso wasn't something that he always dips into. Totally. But he was like, oh, dude, like this is not just, yeah. you know, whatever blank Zan that's going to hit you across the face. I'm like, no. Like, it was really exciting to have someone as a James Suckling type. Whoa. Yeah, you know, totally. The, the light bulb go off. Totally. And since then, we had some people from around the world reach out and try and acquire the wine. And uh, um, we had somebody in particular from Hong Kong reach out, which was really cool for us. But you're, are you, you're too I'm just, much of a baby for that. We're not thinking mm, that. Yeah. I mean, right? we, sent, we sent a couple couple cases to Hong Kong and then okay, sure so enough we can sell, uh, but I mean do they want you to like do like scale or when you I mean uh, well right now uh, we're only making a few hundred cases so uh, to send a, a significant you ever worry you could like get too popular too quick mm, so, I don't know listen a lady, don't know. Hit, a lady hits me up on the Instagram and she goes I'm a listener of the podcast husband and I are looking for I can already see your face you know what I'm yeah. talking about husband and I are looking for X, Y, and Z they're just looking they love the area they're looking for business ventures looking for small things yeah. and I'm literally about to write her back and talk to her about your brand and she goes oh I already reached out and like I mean so I mean, you're seeing 
people yeah. who are who are taking notice of you and saying, "Hey, can we be a part of this?" Looking for investments. Yeah. So uh, I think also another thing is um, for me up to this point, I've been like entirely self-funded, and that's been uh, maybe the biggest hurdle that we've had in terms of production. Scary. Um, because every year all I could do is all I can make is all I could afford. And that's been uh, the same thing for the last four or five years now that we're going into it. Cause, uh, officially 18 was our first vintage, but we made only 25 cases. So I don't really consider that as a, and you did much it of an inaugural release. So. You did it in 22. Yeah. So during the pandemic. Totally. So, and that's why the wine's called Chaugemont. And so the wines change, the wine's names change every year. Um, and so, yeah, so this year we're making a, a small step forward. Um, we're making about 30% more. And then we have our new estate that uh, is near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's like a piece of property that uh, uh, some really close family friends, the Steins, um, graciously let me farm. And Yeah, uh, I can't wait to talk about that later because we're going to talk about some of the unique stories that you decided and decisions you made with placing totally, yeah. and all spacing and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's going to be cool. And, and then I, and just like the different places you've worked, that's, it's exciting. What do you think, Damien? What are some of the wines that we're going to get into today and, and talk about what has been happening at Brecken of late? Yeah, a lot's been happening at Brecken. I never seem to quite keep up on everything. <laughs> we tasted a rosé, um, which is it's the oldest cat in Paso Robles but there's a few rows um, down in a cooler spot that you know and it, it always struggle to ripen so we decided oh you know what rather than try and make it into a big red cab we'll we'll, we'll put it into a rosé and um, you know a lot of the rosés around here are um, more of a, a Rhone style rosé so Grenache a little Rudia Tudia Frudia but the great thing about an old vine it doesn't have necessarily have the colour and the tannins of a modern clone so it makes a wonderful rosé so we've kept with the Bordeaux style we sneak a bit of Malbec in there sometime this one actually does have a hint of Grenache on the finish um, but it's we just released it um, in the tasting room this last weekend so that's something that's new we'll be going to be tasting some of Alex's wines um, which I think he's brought a, a Syrah and a few other bits and pieces so I thought I'd do something different on the end we're going to put our Cab Franc again awesome. we've only got Cab Francs are fun aren't they? So rare yeah. we'll go at three, three and a half acres of Cab Francs again it's the oldest one in Paso we have a few cases left after the wine club shipment um, so again we are technically just releasing that and one of my favorites at the moment, we've, for the first time ever, we've done two Mouvedras, a reserve Mouvedra and wow. a normal Mouvedra. So you guys get to taste the, the reserve Mouvedra wow. before anyone else. And cool. I, you're going to have to hold me back, otherwise I'll drink the whole bottle. <laughs> it's myself, good. I bet, I bet it is. But one Can't of the wait. biggest things that uh, has gone on in, literally in the last week is they've changed the name of uh, the Brecon Beacons National Park. Now, this is the, your namesake, what you're right. named after. Exactly. We're named after the Brecon Beacons National Park because, you know, it tied in a number of things for me. It tied in my Welsh heritage. It tied in the limestone calcareous soils because it's underlain by them. And it tied in the caving that I used to do, the cave exploration, because I mapped and caved and discovered a lot of passages under the Brecon Pagans. And then some Muppet, oh, that's probably too strong a word, <laughs> at, 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 the, uh, at the Brecon Pagans National Park. Which is I don't think we're allowed to say that word on podcasts. Uh, yeah? <laughs> it's a forbidden one? <laughs> I don't think so. Anyway, no, no. They, they've decided to change it to the Welsh Brynau Bikiniog. And of course... Brynau Bikiniog? Not even close. Say, uh, say it again, though. Say it again slowly. Brynau Bikiniog. Bikiniog. 
right. and, and, and so there's no way that people are going to be able to roll that off the tongue in uh, America. So um, I'll make it clear right now and here and now that Brecon Estate is absolutely no way we're going to change your name, name to Brian Brecanioff Estate Wines. No, no, but it, that, that link now between us and the Brecon Beacons is kind of has, has changed. And the funny thing is, I don't mind them changing their name to the Welsh. It makes sense, you know. Same, same thing's happened with Ayers Rock. It became a Larue all those sort of things. But they gave the reason for changing the brand as um, the reason it's called a beacon is in the days of old, before telephones and all that sort of thing, when the, uh, there was an invading army, they would light beacons on top of every hill to communicate that fact across the country. Wow. And so the beacons were had a series of fires lit on top of them when you know invaders were coming. Yeah. They say that's not... PC now because of global warming. Oh, oh and God. they're moving away from it. How but it's historical. Is that? Yeah, it's no. a historical thing. Tear it yeah. down. So tear it down. I forget Dr. that Seuss. memory. Forget that ever happened. Yeah. It never happened. <laughs> oh my God, we could be so stupid. I, I don't it. mind them changing the name. That's great. I don't mind them changing the brand image or the sign. But just to use that as an excuse, that just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just strange. We actually did our t- had just had our ten year anniversary as you were talking about, and we took a bunch of our wine club members to France uh, went to Provence went to the Rhone now I've only ever Did you been like one of those armor water cruise river cruises no it's the same guy who does all the wine spectator uh, and wine enthusiast tours and charges a lot of money for them but he's a mate of mine yeah. in London so he he had a spare week and he, he gave me this at cost basically nice so there you four, go four cool. days going around France with all his mates sitting down in front of the winemaker going through the cellar uh, tasting out the tanks Getting the story, getting down and dirty. All through the Rhone? Where'd right. you go? Where were you? Um, oh, God. We started in Provence and worked our way north. Okay. Um, cool. Um, excellent trip, because uh, I've only ever been through the Rhone in the middle of the night on the way to the caving areas. What a trip, dude. It was, but the Good guy thought I was absolutely stark raving mad by then giving everyone the option of going to the Brecon Beacons afterwards, which is no, uh, which is no longer the Brecon Beacons, as we've just discovered. Oh, right. And we were actually there when they changed the name. And we stayed in Wales in uh, an old manor house, which was some, owned by some famous designer. We took them down in a, a coal mine, um, so I pretended it was a wine tour, not a mine tour. Oh, no. Um, and we did all these things. We walked in the fog and played with Welsh ponies. And, you know, the, the contrast between France, which was very nice, but, you know, there's, you get wined out, to going down the pub and having, you know, a few pints of beer and being felt welcome and having a sing-song in the pub. That's nice. Uh, it's just, it was golden. So, That's so cool. And, and the weather, which is supposed to rain 10 times a day. We'll do sing-songs yeah. enough. <laughs> we'll do some more sing-songs. It's a Welsh choir thing. Yes, you know, you go to the right pub and they, you know, they... Are you singing like just like countrymen Welsh songs or are you singing like, oh, get knocked down? Like, what are you singing? <laughs> Don't they have chants? Right, what I'm are you sure singing? They have chants, yeah, right? well, what's your chant? And we took are we singing Flowers, Miley Cyrus? Like, what are we singing? You know, is whatever someone puts on the jukebox? I mean, what is it? It's more choir music, okay. but uh, a male voice choir. Yeah, you know, that's very... Not a high-pitched young uh, boys' choir. No, sure, you know, like yeah, that yeah. resonance. Resonance, like, the whole building shakes yeah. and the windows are shaking mm. and you're locked in the pub till three in the morning. Now, I want to get into this little aspect of yours, which is caving and mining, because not a lot of people do that. Uh, you've been, I don't know, what, hundreds of feet below ground and you've been digging through caves. You've, you've discovered some. I have to imagine this is a very kind of like, it's a very like neat, desire to do this it can't be very safe and you must have a lot of like like your rei credit card must be like just nuts (laughs) 
You know, like, well, what do you have to buy to go caving for crying out loud? Look, um, you know, it's something your mum doesn't approve of, especially my mum. But uh, the way they measure a cave is from the entrance. So if the entrance is zero, and it can be a couple of kilometers or um, 2,000 meters, which is 6,000 feet straight down. Those are the deepest caves in the world. But if you think about it, the mountain may raise above you. So you can be really quite a long way from the surface, but you haven't actually descended that far. Oh, okay. Uh, so, but wow. yeah, we, I've discovered kilometer, hundreds of kilometers of caves over the years. And so it, take me down there. I imagine like I've been in some male bathrooms where it feels kind of like a cave, <laughs> where like the walls are yeah, musky yeah, sweating, and wet. Right. They're dripping. You may get drips. You have to watch out for. Is that what caving is like? Are you are you actually immersing yourself in water? Are you are you crawling through uh, small crevasses? Wow. I would say crevices, but I kind of what he's like. He's well sketchy. He probably I, says crevasses, right? What, what do we? What do we? Are, what is it like? when you're caving is it scary are you jumping a lot i've been scared but you, you mean some you know you've got to be you've got to have a respect for heights you can't be scared of the dark you can't be scared of heights you can't be scared of drowning you can't okay, but that's, not, that's also where the last sandwich came from no right that's like a scary experience yeah. you had in terms of like uh almost losing it and the haggis basher is a is a wine that that's right you do, you do a wine like that yeah. okay how do you say you can't be scared of heights. You can't be scared of the dark. How, that's crazy to me because I'm I'm scared of the heights, but you can't even see the heights and know how high you are if it's dark. This well, is- you can because someone else has been down in front of you and there's a tiny light sort of like a thousand feet below you. And oh. are you repelling? Or are yeah, you- you're repelling. Oh. In the dark. Well, what, what if a rock... Busts or something like is that? Yeah, that happens. The, the miners, the Chilean uh-huh. miners, right? Or yep. or no, the the, the that Thai and a lot of soccer my, team, right? It. Yeah, a lot of my friends were involved in that. We had that meeting just afterwards. We we're on the radio talking about that. Yeah, um, but you know what? Funnily enough, underground, you don't get the pollen, and you don't get all the dust in the atmosphere, and you don't get the. Even though you can't smell it, the sounds like a dream. My allergies yeah, are it horrible. Fresh, huh? I know. Yeah, well, <laughs> I can't have that right now. Up. After we're so, done with this, when you've spent like ten days underground and you hit the surface, your palate is so sensitive. I really wanted just my blending table set up, so as soon as I come out of the cave, I can just like you go down for ten days and, and make the ultimate blend. So interesting. You go down there for over a week. We, yeah, really. As long as I've done ten days. What do you <gasps> eat? Do what do you eat? There. Did you hear about that woman who just came out of a cave? She spent 500 days in a cave. No. I never saw the light of day. Uh, some Guinness World Record just last week. She's, is she healthy? Like, yeah. she probably needs to what, be... mentally or just... You know, maybe either way, like, I mean, <laughs> just, the, just, the, just the lack of sunlight, I imagine. Right, yeah. what, But what are you eating? Are you doing, like, MREs? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of water down the cave, so you hydrate things, yeah. Uh, but we try and eat well. We don't just all eat those you know we, we it, you, you do those as a base but then you bring some caviar or something just to oh, so you have a couple little cans yeah. of caviar that's pretty dope yeah, though. You know, a pearl yeah. spoon in it yeah <laughs> what, kind, what, what do you what do you drink down there um, well you need bang for your buck you know you, unfortunately don't really carry wine in but high proof spirits have been known yeah, to very high proof spirits yeah yeah they keep they make you sleep well do you bring in one bottle because I guess you can't bring because then you got to pack well, it you out you don't want the weight or the glass so you pack it in something yeah yeah and I imagine you're not leaving leaving anything behind because that wouldn't no yeah so just, you, leaving just footprints and uh, you know uh, you have any pictures down there I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly take nothing but photographs leave nothing but footprints and yeah. that's kind of how we deal with our vineyard too yeah right right, right take sure. nothing but photographs and then a few grapes and uh, as I totally admitted to Alex before the show that <laughs> oh, I stole still... a rock from Bocastel <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah oh those rocks amazing in Bocastel oh they're huge oh yeah 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 
Good mantelpiece. Um, yeah. I know, it's perfect. I love absolutely it. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what a crazy story. So we're into this caving, this mining. Do you have bars down there on your phone? Or do they, no, that's no, a no, question. Yeah, you, I don't know. You can get special mole phones, which work underground. So not satellites. Like the but opposite of satellites. They're not working on um, radio frequencies or satellite frequencies. What are they working off of? Uh, magnetic waves. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's intense. Wow, caving, mining. When was the last time? Are you done? Have you retired from this crazy baby? Uh, less and less these days, but I've um, um, got a few big trips planned yet. What does your wife think about this? Is she okay with this? No, she was a caver as well. Oh, so man. If you, if you're gonna, you've got to have a wife who understands. Yeah, 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 or else yeah, they're going to yeah. be like, what are you doing? Yeah, who, who are you going off with on the weekends? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll be 6,000 feet underground. A dark with, deep with, hole. With, with dark Phil deep hole. <laughs> yeah, they're just a bunch of troglodytes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many clothes do you wear? How many clothes do you bring? It depends on the cave. You know, if you're in Australia or a tropical environment, it's jeans and T-shirt or shorts and T-shirt. But in an alpine cave, which is mostly what we have here in California, yeah. is um, they're all, um, it's a polypro thing. And then over the top, you've got like a PVC oversuit. There are some crazy caves here. Like you drive like, you know, to Vegas and you go to the ghost towns and or you go into some of these mining towns. There's some pretty crazy stuff here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, California is one of the most diverse types of caves and one less in the world because they've got lava tubes in the north. They've got marble caves. They've got limestone caves. They've got sea caves. They've got granite corrosional caves they've got mud tubes they've got talus caves in the what's pinnacle. like the most unsafe one what's a cave where you're like no i don't doesn't i don't know if i'm going in that one uh, have you ever said that have you ever said like no i'm not gonna go in that cave ones that flood probably okay yeah yeah because well, I mean, this takes a couple seconds yeah yeah man what an interesting uh dynamic so we got uh, we just did the rosé uh, let's get into another wine next first of all let's talk about your unconventional uh vessel alex because this is not the normal vessel, but it's close to it. No, yeah. So this is uh, just a 500 mil sample bottle that I snag little uh, snippets from the barrel because we're out of wine right now. But when you look at wine, like on your Insta or when you see what you do, the bottles are very, like, I don't think I've ever seen that shape. Yeah, it was super unconventional, huh? And, uh... Uh, it was actually a lot of extra work too. Considering what do you the call fact. them? What are they called? And like, are you? The- I don't even know. Um, I was the first person in domestic North America to use the original bottle that we used. Really? Uh huh. Um, and since I think I think I was the only one, the bottles don't come in uh, traditional case good boxes. So when you're on the bottling line, uh, you have to take everything oh. off by hand, and then you have to put everything. Is this worth back it? Off. Is this worth it to be so avant garde? Uh, for the first couple vintages, I thought it was fun, and then uh, I realized, you know, we're touching the bottles, uh, the original. Uh, bottle had to be hand labeled for the original release and then it had to go on another bottling line for the second release uh, so we're touching the bottles uh, a bit too much and uh, I like your feel you're in fact one of the first things I was drawn to about you before I had the pleasure to meet you and then get to know you and actually taste your wines was the vibe and wow. I you know come from you know a suburban part of an urban area northern LA County in a suburb of LA but I love the feel of like cool looking spray paint urban street art things like that and your your wine, although super premium, has this almost like a fluorescent urban flair to it. Totally, and I so like I love the dichotomy of like having this artsy spray painty kind of vibe, uh, which kind of defines a freshness. But then also we're tapping into the culture aspect by using some sort of uh, cursive font. Uh, I think these two things are polar opposites, but at the end of, at the end of the day, they like do a great job to draw each other in, uh, and I think that kind of defines our environment you know 
but then like to use the colors that you use i think are it's really uh this kind of contrast because it almost brings in like mm-hmm. i'm wearing a you know a pair of pit viper glasses or stepping back into the 90s for a second with these bright vibrant colors but they're just like you know through the name of what well, really the vineyard right on the bottle uh no so actually the name changes every year so it's like a kind of like it's a great homage to the vintage and then they're all in french so uh that's another homage to my mentors um so it's like a, an homage to two different sectors to some degree um and it's not necessarily based on whether on the wine itself the, like i said 2020 is uh, named chargement which uh stands for loading so where that come from uh i was dealing with a health injury at the time and you know, I wasn't necessarily certain if I'd be making wine into the future. Uh, and so I was kind of, I took a step back at the end of 2019 going into 2020, uh, just a few months before the rest of the world did. Uh, and so like, it was like a great, great pause for me because I'd never really taken a pause up to that moment in my career. I was always uh, always looking for the next opportunity. I was always looking for the next step of So you knew you wanted to, to make wine. Did you know to what extent and where you wanted to make it? I mean, you kind of grew up here, but then you went to train in a lot of really cool old world totally. places. Yeah, totally. So I always knew that I wanted to work in the uh, kind of luxury sector. I wanted to work with people who were performing at the top of their level. And it actually, coincidentally, wasn't until my best friends were doing a wine in collaboration with Guillaume at Close One. And I was just getting gearing up ready to uh, graduate Cal Poly and uh, Natalie and Scotty Saunders, they gave me a ring and they said, hey, you know, we're processing today and uh, uh, get your butt over here because we're going to sort some fruit. And uh, I busted my butt that day. And at the end of the day, Guillaume came up to me and was like, uh, you know, uh, I'm sharing an intern right now, but next year I'll be looking for somebody full time. And uh, if I reflect on any day in my wine career that you know, gave me the opportunity to follow the path that I'm on right now. I would say that that singular day of uh, having no expectation, but just going in there and trying to learn and do my best. That was a benchmark the one. for sure. Yeah, it may have wow. been the one. Yeah. That's pretty so, exciting. So that's how I got the opportunity to work with Guillaume that following year and uh, go from there. And then we worked at like Petrus? Yeah. So uh, I worked with Guillaume for about about a year. And Guillaume's I, got sick connections over yeah. there, by the way. Can we say, <laughs> yeah. like Guillaume in Bordeaux, like he's yeah. got sick connections. He got me into Chateau Margaux. Yeah. We're talking Guillaume from Closelin and, and Binome. But out. I mean, he got. Legend. Yeah, dude, absolute legend. He's a, he's a beast. I love the dude. And got us into Chateau Margaux. Like, that's, I mean, that's, that's iconic. A, yeah. Iconic. One of my favorite wines. And uh, so coincidentally enough, I worked the whole year and had no clue that his brother was a, a Veneron at Petrus. So, Arnaud or the other brother? Uh, Nicola. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I went in there uh, having no idea of any other opportunity. And he was ready to bring back uh, Aurelion. So he gave me the opportunity to go to the other side, the dark side. And so I spent this, the summer in Bordeaux and uh, uh, had a little hiatus and spent the Where'd harvest. you live out there? Uh, I lived in Pesach. I lived in like the almost the center, city center, which is great because, you know, uh, it was three kilometers away from the Gargon or something like that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah right there. Uh, and all my friends that I worked with were right there. So uh, Downtown um, Bordeaux is fun. Oh, it was a blast. They got a bar called Black Sheep, just like slow. <laughs> I, they had someone in there, the reflective pool. It was just a cool, it was a cool vibe. I love Bordeaux. Yeah, I love the vibe there. It's one of my favorite places. Um, and it's ironic to see like Bordeaux and all of its stature and then to go to Chateauneuf and uh, I, I feel like you're in Templeton, huh? So true. It's like, it's like this point. small little city. It's uh, has a, a ton of world acclaim, but uh, has no stoplight, you know? 
it's a drive-through city. And I can I I remember because in uh, Chateauneuf, uh, working at Baroche, they have an old cellar and they have a new cellar that they just finished building, and so they're at either sides of the town. And it would take me 15 minutes to walk from one to the other. Oh, man. Yeah. Dude, I have a crazy story from Bordeaux. I saw Bordeaux guys from the back of an ambulance. Uh, what? We had a somebody on our trip, and he's a local person. I'm not going to say his name now, but he just he had an episode that needed to be checked out right then. Ambulance comes to the boat, and we're off to the – it was a college hospital, university hospital. Well, you remember that bit, though. In Bordeaux, yeah. yeah. That's the memorable bit. Well, it was funny because like, they, they didn't want to take me back. So we're at the hospital. I'm in the back of the ambulance, and it's on a you know a big night, Friday, Saturday night. So lots of traffic downtown Bordeaux, and it's like you know just we're going through. Or like I'm never driven through traffic with like you a, got that a code three. And I right, really close, right? Really and then we get there, and then at the end of everything, he's all good, but he's got to stay there in the hospital for a few days yeah, awesome. to drive through Bordeaux in the back of an ambulance. That's one thing I never thought I would do. Yeah, the traffic. So like the traffic, uh, I just went in November. The traffic there. Oh, right. From cool. 16 to now is uh, took me 45 minutes, and what so would normally no, huh? take me like uh, 20. So you worked in Bordeaux, and you just mentioned Baroche. You worked in you were in the Rhone and in Bordeaux. Yeah, yeah. It was a damn. It was a pretty baller year, and also uh, in both growing regions, uh, they claimed it's one of the best growing seasons that they've ever had. This First was what year? 2016. Yeah, that was a crazy year. Yeah, crazy year for Bordeaux. They called it because uh, 2015 was a crazy year, and then 2016 they're like, what? Even better. Yeah, yeah. they called it uh, the vintage of the century. Since they had been uh, analyzing phenology. What did you notice? That? Was that helpful for you? Totally. To like look at the way things were coming in, how we're processing things. These are what badass grapes look like. It's probably a little different, right, than what you see come, what you guys see I mean, to some here. degree, but I still think like the things that I, I implement in terms of my farming practices is what I do now. Right. Uh, so the, the fundamental aspects of farming are still what I use now. But uh, Yeah, but, Damien, what do you take from like the old world when you... Well, isn't it wonderful how everyone's got different experiences? All these different winemakers in in Paso, um, there are so many different ex- experiences. Alex has obviously landed on his feet. You know, um, someone like me, you know, I've worked in the Barossa, uh, worked yeah. up in um, Russian River. You know, that winery got International Winery of the Year. You know, I've worked in Sicily and South Africa and all all these wonderful places. But you take a little bit from everyone. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, and then, um, but also, what happens is when you come across an unusual vintage. Um, you know, arguably we're an unusual vintage for Paso right now mm-hmm. with all this rain and other, you know late spring and other things going on. You know what to do, yeah, because you've seen that somewhere else, or you think, oh, maybe so I'll use that, or maybe I'll try that. And so, um, you got know, Australia to South Africa, to I mean, those those are a lot of varied type of circumstances that you've kind of run into when you see a place like Paso, and you obviously understand the fruit that you're getting in here now you know your vineyards what what are some of the big differences that or maybe even some of the the similarities that you see you can apply to some of those right. things you well, learned you, you don't usually take you know a direct transplant because you know there's things unique about paso and the climate and the microclimates around paso but you, you, you you're learning and it it's um when i first started coming to paso robles I, I, you know, I was actually making wine up in Monterey, but I'd come down here to source fruit and things. There were a lot of Mar and Pop wineries. But slowly over time and time, you've seen professional winemakers with this international uh, experience come in, and it's changed the place. And totally. Using, yeah. right. using so much. I mean, you look at the Grenache we're just tasting. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of an old world, not an old world, uh, an old vine Grenache that I've seen yeah. in uh, maybe Clarenvale or somewhere like that. It's got that natural fruits, f- sweet fruit character, even though it's, most likely planted 17 yeah 
Uh, but yeah, it's planted in 17. Yeah. And, and so, and, and for me as a cave explorer, that's the exciting thing about Paso. And that's why I went up in it. So that caving thing links with wine because we've got all these little microclimates and hillsides that have never been planted. Most things in France have been yeah. wine ranges. Just like you're discovering. So we're discovering. We're exploring again. Yeah. You know, we're, we're going to plant that hillside with this clone from mm-hmm. Chile, and we're going to put it in a cognac barrel, and we're going to take that technique they were using in Australia and throw it at it and see what happens. We know it's going to be good. Just don't know quite how good. So yeah. um, that, that that's the exciting thing for me about Paso and why I ended up. It's so cool, but your story is interesting because we are on the site of an old vineyard that was one of the few. You would drive on vineyard back in the day when there wasn't... It was the first planting on vineyard. Is that right? Yeah, it was the first planting on vineyard drive. It wasn't even called vineyard drive then. I I can't remember what the road was called, but it was called something else. But just uh, amazing to think, like, you could make the drive, which is now, I mean, like, Vineyard Drive is, like, akin to, like, Rodeo. Like, there's a ton of wineries around. It's beautiful. It's picturesque. It's got all the beauty. It's all the Instagram pictures. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's a beautiful drive. Then you end up on, you know, one side you start in Paso Templeton, and the other side you're at, you know, Halter Ranch on your way to Justin, and then you can make a ride, and you got the whole Adelaide district. So we're in a very special part of West Paso here. But when this place started... We were, I mean, you drive down Vineyard and wouldn't see anything. No, and, and ironically, the, I think it was a visionary planting because they planted in what is a slight bowl here, so it gets some of the cool air, um, Cab Franc and, and Cab, and we'll taste the Cab Franc later. Because of the pressure of the time, they ended up being a Zinhas. Those visionary plantings have got past their useful, youthful 15 So let's years. talk about the history. Art Norman, Norman Vineyards, and he is highly regarded by a lot of the old school right. people here. He's very highly looked up to. It's interesting. You're right, because they were known as like a huge Paso Zin, that right. monster, I think they even called it Monster Zin. And there was a, a, you know, a phase that they went through. Yeah, sure. Uh, they had a brand called the Norman Conquest as well, which is you know, a very British thing. I quite like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> So I think they ended up, you know, doing a huge amount of zin, but really their passion was in Bordeaux varieties. That's mm-hmm. what they planted on the site. And the only thing left on the site when we um, took it was Cab and Cab Franc. Um, so we came along. Thus, some of the oldest Cab, right, or, Cab right. Franc, or well, the oldest. Well, they were, old, they were older ones, but they've all been pulled out as far as we're aware. Got it. Okay. So there were at least three others, um, according to Gary Eberly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kenneth Volk. Mm-hmm. All theirs have been pulled out. All right. So by default, then we're the we're the oldest one. Okay. Cool. Um, so we went and did what Alex is doing now. We went and run around and looked at the best clone we can find, and we imported a clone from Cahors for our Malbec. You know, because all the Malbec back then had been uh, brought out in the seventies for bulk production in the uh, Central Valley. So we were bringing out this tiny berry clone. We planted that, and then you know I I, I found this Petit Verdot clone that was regularly winning the you know highest ever Petit Verdot with the. Uh, the, the traditional crest, the enthusiast, the um, spectator. So we, we planted that clone here, so to make an awesome heritage. So we've kept that Bordeaux theme here. Um, so it's very nice seeing exactly what I went through 10 years ago, Alex coming through and this younger generation coming through. And it's great. It's keeping us on our toes and pushing us to, us to um, raise our game all the time as well. Yeah, Cab and Cab Franc, super exciting. These are some of the, this is the oldest fruit here now. And what are some of the things that you get from these old... These old vines. Look, um, and the way I describe it is, it's like an old crooner. Um, you know, if you sit down with your grand your grandfather and talk about the days where of old when the men were bold, 
you get all these stories and every time the story gets a little bit more elaborate well it's the same with the wine every time you taste it it's a little bit more elaborate there's another phase if think think about it. every vine is at a slightly different stage uh, and so it gives complexity so you might not get the color and the tannin or the yield or the yield of a modern clone but you get something else a little bit more it's exciting i love yeah, those stories. Yeah, 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 yeah right yeah, yeah. yeah. and so I've worked for wineries where you can run around and try and find the darkest, most phenolic vineyard block you can buy, and that's the wine you'll make. When you've got the oldest cab in the Cab Franc in Paso, you're not going to go running around and trying to find the next best thing. You're going to work with what you've got to elucidate how to make the best every year. Are old vines good because they're old, or are they good because they're good? You know, the old vines have to be planted in the right spot, and that's that calcareous hilltop soil. You know, if you're an old vine on a, a, a riverbed bottom, is is never going to give you something really exciting. Um, it, and then they're really sought after in other parts of the world, particularly Australia, particularly in France. And the thing about Cab Franc is it's a varietal that is very prone to viruses, and it's very rare to get something that's over 50 years old. So, and even ours probably won't last more than a few years. There's plenty of old Zin around in Paso, and maybe a little bit of old Petit Sarah around. Very few old Bordeaux clones. Uh, even though Bordeaux's are the most, most plant- planted thing yeah, yeah. In, in right now. The old I guess for like, my, my question is like, is it good because it's old or good because it's good? Like, is this good because it's so old and has all that complexity, even though yes, lesser yields, but it still delivers this something, this greatness because of its age? Or the reason this vine, Adam, is so old is because we don't pull it because where it is, what the way it sits, everything is just so good. We're going to leave it till it just doesn't give us any more. All of the above, I think. All, all yeah. The, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It's a bit of everything. What do you think about a year like this? I'll ask Alex then Damien. Like when we see, because you're starting I'm some psyched. new plantings. Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm so excited. Lots of water. Lots of water. And where's your vineyard? Uh, it's just north off of Lake Road. It's on the other side of Denner Two. So like, if you're looking north from Denner Two, or you're looking, or the old Denner Two. Yeah. I don't know if that's still a thing. But or Frogtown. So uh, it's still in the Adelaide district. Okay. Um, but uh, our initial planting is on this really rare it's a, a soil type called sesame. Uh, so it's primarily sand with a little bit of clay. How'd you come up on it? Uh, a close family friend. I was coming back from working at SQN, and they they said, uh, you know, we have this piece of property and but I was like let me go people uh, listening like okay he worked at Petrus he worked at Petrus <laughs> you worked at SQN too and Realm yeah you worked at both here yeah. you worked at Realm and Sinequinon yeah as I came back so uh, how did you get those gigs which one first uh, so initially I went to I got the I came back and so 17 I wanted to work I wanted to do a harvest in Napa but there was a job opportunity at SQN uh, yeah, Santa Sinequinon. Barbara County. So I had applied Incredible, to it. Right? I had applied to it, and then my boss at the time, the day I applied, so I applied at like six o'clock in the morning, and I was like kind of jittery. And then my boss, I was, I work pretty autonomously, and uh, he pulled up mid morning. He was like, uh, "You never guess who gave me a ring today?" And I was, was like, "Man uh, for Crankle." And he was like, uh, "Yeah." And he's like, uh, I'm com- "He's coming up next week. We're gonna have a meeting because uh, he sells equipment." Um, and so I was like, wow. And then I was pretty much just straightforward with him right away. Yeah. And I was like, hey, you know, um, my passion is winemaking and uh, just something. Just let me learn all yeah, the whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, I had this initial interview with Manfred in 2017 uh, after I had already accepted this realm position. Oof. And uh, 
I was I was so psyched. I mean, Manfred is his favorite sport is uh, motorcycle racing, and that happens to be my passion as well. Um, and so uh, we were able to bond on this kind of uh, our sport that we both appreciate. And uh, we we're sitting there for two and a half hours talking about motorcycles. And I remember getting on on the freeway, and I called my mom, and I was like, "Mom, like I think I'm going to be moving to Ventura." <laughs> and and then uh, and then two weeks go by. I hadn't heard anything. And then three weeks went by. Is that remakes the wines of Ventura. Yeah, yeah, in, uh, kind of Ohio-ish. And yeah. uh, and so I was like, dude, I, 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 we just had a great. We hit it off. Yeah, you had a good rapport. Exactly. And so uh, uh, sure enough, uh, I emailed Devin, and uh, she was like, hey, we're gonna go with some different people. And at the time, I was already planning on going to Napa. Napa so. Um, it wasn't until in 2017 Napa went through their fires like they've been oh, yeah. battling with since then. Uh, I think every other year it seems that they're, you mm. know, up against the wall. And um, I came back home after that experience because it just didn't seem like the right fit. And um, the SQN job popped up again. And I was like, you know what? It's worth a shot. What'd you do there? Uh, I mean, we did a little bit of everything. We spent uh, a lot of time in the vineyard, which... You know, I really appreciate it as a farmer and somebody who's pretty hands-on in that degree. At the time, they're still hand-labeling bottles. So uh, everything from hand-labeling bottles to working in the vineyard. And then as harvest came on, uh, uh, I was kind of the person who worked through the night uh, with a small team. And, um, of course, that shifted depending on how the flow of harvest was going. So what kind of things do you like? You learn? I mean, because obviously big brands, and I'm not even sure because I've always felt like – Wine is kind of like radio is in the sense it's like it's not it's not what you know it's who you know and yes you have to be good but when you have connections and can draw relationships and it almost looks like a a crime TV you know whiteboard with like the red yarn that goes from this to that and you have all these connections and stuff and relationships you make I mean things can unfold in a very favorable way so I mean just listening to some of the places that you either you know whether you're working interning or work have experience at yeah. I mean, these are some really huge places that make, I mean, not like anyone's checking your resume, you've got your own brand now, but they make a story and a resume and a path, you know, sound uh, very interesting. It was almost kind of like a charmed situation. How did we fall into these? Was this so, a- so, so, yeah, I would say like, um, I didn't go into the wine industry with the intention of working at those places in specific, like specifically. You just said I, yes to whatever you could. I just, I just did the best of preparing myself and putting giving it all essentially and even if i heard no then that was okay and i would still go on and try and do the best opportunity i think that that's um something that i learned from a younger age uh when i was like in high school and i was like a larger set person and um uh that was a big transformative thing we were talking about off the air like you were totally you were a a thick dude yeah in your late in a really sensitive age too 17 18 yeah totally. like i put on pounds and i want to lose like in my 40s you were at a very sensitive age 17 18 and really needing a a life change yeah totally well i always grew up as the the larger kid did Uh, you i was i was in middle school i was wearing a 44 size pants and uh, wow i was just bordering 300 pounds when i decided to make a lifestyle change and uh uh, and and had not wow. and hadn't I made that change, I would have never had the the football team didn't want you. <laughs> no. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. No. <laughs> I mean, at that point, I was too soft. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, so uh, no. Um, what I an think, interesting story. Yeah, I think I think if it weren't for me taking 
control of myself and good line by the way David and, and understanding that Rome wasn't built in a day and uh, yeah. if I have uh, a notion of well, trying like to accomplish, time, accomplish sure. something yeah. then it's a day by day process and I think that since then that's ingrained itself into me and uh, and to kind of everything that I do day by yeah. day but with the long term goal of something larger than that uh, yeah before we get into your last wine pour, you can go ahead and give it a pour you got no wine left you brought us bottle samples bro yeah, it's uh, you're that sold crazy, out. So you're not yeah. even tasting right now. No, we haven't been tasting for the last couple of months, and uh, uh, we, so typically we do our release in the second week of October. Yeah, uh, and then we have a month to kind of get everything together, spray paint all the boxes, uh, and write you know a cheeky note for our consumer, and uh, uh, we sent it out um, typically the second week of November. So we need so, to grow. We need to scale a little bit. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we will be growing. A no, little you don't bit. want to grow too fast. Yeah. That's a Fatal. Everyone is makes it yeah. too fast. I know you want to grow, but it yeah. just got to grow organically. He seems pretty it? deliberate. He seems we, like he's not rushing we, we things. Grew, we grew seventy-seven percent from nineteen uh, to twenty. You got it in your first year. Uh, oh yeah, 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 right, sure. Yeah, so we took a solid step, and then uh, we're taking we're taking a smaller step this next year for right. twenty-one. But yeah, so uh, people only receive the wine in uh, the middle of November, so they'll get it the third week of November typically, uh, and then uh, we just barely made it to the first week of February. But you know, that's interesting. We we never put our wines in front of the uh, Hospice de Rhone or James Upcliffe because we're always sold out yeah. by that time yeah. of year. See, we, we're at the opposite. We re- release our Rhones maybe September, October. We're mm-hmm. sold out by December. Hospice de Rhone comes around in what? March. Every two years. Every two years in yeah, January, so. February, March. Yeah, is it time like for you to scale? Are, I, you, are you growing more? Do you, we need to a little bit? This, you know, I've done that. That's the great thing being about being a direct-to-consumer winery because you're yeah. not going to lose that shelf space yeah. or you're not going to lose that yeah. um, uh, wine list in a restaurant because you're not in that market. Mm-hmm. You can release it when it's ready. So yeah. we'd rather go out and rather than stretch this blend and maybe – change it up and lose the character of an individual vineyard we'd rather make go out and find another parcel and another vineyard and make something special yeah totally and and so we'd rather um have a small parcel maybe it's only two acres and we we make that wine we sell it a month or two two months later it's gone but by the time you come around again people are lining up for it mm-hmm. and it's gone in a month and a half mm-hmm. or a month um so we've rather <laughs> one of our pieces of success is rather than make um, four or five wines we make a lot of little different parcels and they have a following they sell out and we're totally okay with that a lot of people are very disappointed about it but they're first in line next time in the room for the mm-hmm. next release yeah I like that this one that's bomb it's dude. delicious huh? this one fits. yeah it's really good this is dope dude well you'll be yeah, here all night now it's like, yeah, yeah, I know yeah, right yeah, he's yeah, like yeah, yeah, so yeah, this is not let, even wait till it warms up and it opens I know up I should yeah, let it sit this, this is the 2021 Moved Adelaide District and you said this is not even being released to fellow earthlings until when no no we've got about four cases of Malbec left which will sell out by probably Friday or Saturday and then then we'll start pouring this in the tasting room so mm. that, 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 that's true. Get in line. So he, he's very specific. It's yeah. like, hey, well, wait, I, I'm going to wait till you buy out my Malbec before I even give you my Moffat. Right. It's, it's, it's Look ready. Look at you, Damien. Um, it's, it, wow. it, it is ready. But that's an interesting take on the marketing. Do a lot of people do that and I'm just not keen to it? Or is that kind of unique to you? No, it's just, it's just you know, I want to move on from the, the Malbec. It's, it's, and Malbec's tasting wonderful. It's a cohort. So you'll have a skew and be like, I'm going to wait till that's totally gone before we even let them even get into this. Right. Okay. But, you know, that Malbec, once you tell somebody there's four cases left, it'll be gone in a couple of days. Yeah. So it's not it's not a big deal. And it's a, this wonderful cohort style Malbec. In cohort, you're allowed 30% to nat. 
Mm-hmm. Which, you know, El Paso does well. Oh, sure, right. In your Malbec. And so we do. Yeah. Wow. Um, and they're also allowed 30% Malot. What does this go for? Uh, I'm not sure I've set the price yet. Yeah, should we set it right now? Yeah. yeah Let's set it right now. All right, sure. go on, go on. Well, tell, what are, your, tell, what are tell, your other excuses? You, you taste a lot of wine. Yeah. Right? Let it warm up. Warm it up in your hands. Um, you know, it's just... It, if you don't remember on the air, I did this with your anniversary blend, and I pretty much almost nailed it, I think. I love the bottles. Huh? What did you call it I think earlier I even before we started airing? Because you over-delivered. It's yeah, we are, Brecken we, we, Breton? We, the, the, no, it's the Louis Breton. Louis Breton. The, 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 the Louis Breton. The Louis Breton. Louis Breton. Yeah, Louis Breton. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this is a beautiful wine. I mean, this is premium. I mean, I could see this going for... Yeah, but I mean, I think Alex makes a good point. Where's the rest of our skews right now? Yeah, are where we, are we pricing Are we ourselves? in the 60s, 70s, 80s? Are we 40s, 50s, 60s? Where are we, where are we doing our reserves right now? So the reserve cabs and cab francs are in the 90s mid 90s yeah. mm-hmm. i was gonna say this they uh there's a single vineyard series we have an, a, okay. a, a, a a burnt earth label which is single vineyard and how many cases are we making of this and they're in a seven it, uh, my cheat sheet it's about 218 cases wow um and then you want to have the you know the everyday brecon is, is in the 50s 60s now i'm not going to price it just on what i think it's worth because i think it over delivers but i want you to sell a lot of it too no it'll so sell I, I know it, i know it, it's gone i'm going to say maybe let's go um god it's so 98 tough. bucks yeah i was going to almost go a little bit really uh, I'm, I'm under i'm i'm underselling myself then cuz that you know i was going to say 88 but i i'm it's a i mean that's it's, it's easy 100 dollar bottle of wine this is a crazy good bottle of wine we always like to overachieve on people's expectations well you and that's i think that's what i love about passive is you should so and we should never stop that i probably put this at a 90 or 91 mm-hmm. um but you're right i think it's a 100 dollar bottle right but here's another yeah. thing the varietal, I mean, Syrah has been a hard sell for people for a long time. Some of these these unique varietals, I mean, shoot, you could probably name this Brecon Briambra or whatever that name <laughs> right, right. and probably sell it easily because it's a blend. Louis Brecon. Yeah, Louis, Louis Brecon. Yeah, you name this Louis Brecon, it's sold and out. Name your own. Uh, there you go. Yeah, but yeah. you call it Mavet, it may take a little while because someone has, uh, they might have preconceived right. or they don't get it, yeah. they can't say it, they you, can't spell it. You have hit the nail on the head. There's a glass ceiling with some of the wine writers for things like Albarino, Mavedra, Tanat. They mm-hmm. won't score them as a Do you care about the writers a little bit? No. Well, you above, brought them up. Above a certain point. And that's why we never put wines into some of those riders because oh, I see. So they have their set rules and their glass ceilings mm-hmm. and these things blow through it from Paso. yeah yeah you don't need the write-up i mean if you have the people following you then yeah. uh don't need uh, it yeah so fun no we are at brecken right now we're on vineyard drive do you need a, re- a reservation to taste here what's the deal um we prefer it um you're, you're probably better off getting a reservation um we, we, we do have the ability and we, we do have a, a big enough team that quite often if you walk in, we can accommodate you, but sometimes we won't. So it, it's best to make a reservation if you can. You have no wines. For, I, I could, we're talking to people in 102 countries, all 50 states, and we got no wines for anyone to taste, Alex. What are we doing? Uh, we're doing our best. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally just... <laughs> I'm just doing my best, man. Just doing our best. Uh, when are we going to have some wines for people? If they're looking for all bear, when are we going to have some wines for people to even try? Uh, we typically send out a letter, and uh, the way you acquire the letter is by signing up for the mailing list now. Okay. Um, are, do you make it like a lot of hoops? Are we like kind of we're, we're keeping super exclusive? No, you don't have to beg like, for it typically. No. No, okay. no, no, no. The wine should be accessible, but um, yeah, I mean, we're just – making what I can afford these few years, and uh, that happens to be what we're doing. Earlier in the episode, we talked about a, a lady that hit me up from L.A. Jen, yeah. Yeah, 
her and her husband. <laughs> I was going to say her name, but that's all. Oh, good. yeah. There's a lot of gents. But she was a great, a great person. We had a really good correspondence. And she mentioned hitting you up saying, hey, are you down for to a little investment of this? What do you say to her? Do you want to keep it this low? Uh, or, or do you welcome so, something like that? Maybe so, this can help uh, you grow. Yeah, so... so off record or on no, we're on we're, yeah, we're on it yeah, yeah. yeah. um <laughs> so so it's difficult because i have this new property that's coming online that i don't necessarily own but my sweat equity is uh uh deep into it and then we have our estate where the sanjo comes from which i farm that as well so that's difficult to divvy up in terms of investment money but we are starting a new project um, in partnership with a winery in Napa uh, that will be coming, we'll be making it this year and then it'll be coming out of Paso. Yeah. What is this? I want to dig deeper. It's, I'm not it's sure a whole Joel new, wants th- it's a do, whole new thing. Um, they've done pretty well. And, so it's uh, a Napa winery using Paso fruit. Yeah. And they reached Nothing out. New. It, it, it's a, it's somebody who is a great customer of mine. And uh, um, he reached out to me with a very um, thoughtful, uh, business plan and uh, they're gonna do it and seems like the right fit so uh, in terms of like giving up equity and all bear it's a that's a I'm sorry but uh, that can't happen, now. Can't happen anymore but uh, really the ability to start another project with some thoughtfulness is something that I've always entertained I think it's what do you when you listen to this uh, this gentleman here he's vi- he's got a lot of great he's worked at fantastic places he's super articulate I really like him but he's very much several years behind what you've been doing and you, know, you have a lot of experience what do you say when you listen to his stories Damien you know the great thing about the wine industry is there's so many different ways to do it you can do what we've done when we've got a, you know a physical winery and a physical vineyard and we've um, a physical tasting room on you know one of the greatest shop fronts in, in in the central coast but if you're a young guy coming in you can virtually um, buy grapes you can you know rent some space in the winery you can make a virtual brand and get yourself started get your foot in the door and you can build from there you have to have relationships there's with good fruit though. Every, That's nice. yeah, you know, and it's yeah. everything you can be in tin city but you have to be getting great fruit everything yeah. in between and i've had a lot of business opportunities over the years um it's always difficult to know which one to take i've turned a lot of that da- a lot of them down um and a, a lot of them were oh much larger bigger things because you know i had a reputation for coming in somewhere and you know getting their parker scores like a stealth winemaker and then moving on and, and cleaning so up people something. into acquisitions like you. yeah so I, I i you know and i was asked to take over a couple of wineries that were um you know had, had lost their shine here no in australia you know um, put them under one umbrella clean them up get the scores again get them on and sell them on yeah and i would have been paid very handsomely good but my heart wasn't in it why because you're crazy your heart's crazy because the the quality wasn't there oh but yeah no you're right it's not this Mm -hmm. it's not that moved you're on now where it's unique it's characterful it's something that i i quite happily put up against yeah because you can be like we'll talk wine making but if you're not going to be growing the fruit and i can't have the fruit that i need and want it's not going to pan out is it no so you know it's the great thing about working for big companies and i've done it is that it's like dog work years you know it's seven years of experience in a year because you've got so many different ferments so many different blends so many things going right so many things going wrong so many different vineyards you're using for but it's not your own gig so you use that experience to 
to, to make your, your own wines better. Any regrets in the last 10-plus years no, in I, Brecken that we can pass on to Alex and say, hey, might want to not do this one that I did? i got one big regret. Go ahead. I should have done it earlier. Really? Because I, I, you know, I always said with the caving thing, you know, I, 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 I never stupid enough to own my own winery. And when I finally did it, it was like, oh, sure, I should have done this years ago. Mm. And, and the reason is, so I'm, you know, this is why you need well, you're to do it. You're good at it. Duh. The, the, re- the reason is I thought, you know, I've got this caving thing. I'm the pinnacle of a sport. I'm, you know, pushing the edges you know where, where else can you discover things were there? you on caving magazine or something like <laughs> were you like yeah, were you like sponsored cover going deep into national it national graphic of being there yeah yeah damn really but, but um wow um, that's big time yeah. but but yeah of course but you know i always said well my knees wear out i'll I, you know i'll hit the wine making thing hard and, and mm. i um but really i should have done it earlier yeah. yeah, way earlier. I think mean, Alex is. That's exactly what he's doing. Uh, but I'm pissed scared, huh? Yeah, yeah I know. Year. I feel you, dude. Yeah, every year. I I'm like a, you, though. I really like your, your style. I both of you. I mean, I've loved Damien for a long time, but really it's cool to see Thank where you, you're at. And you are in this this weird realm that I don't know how you quite accomplished because, yes, you're – your education and your history and your experience would make sense that you would find good fortune, make great wine. But, I mean, no one knows that. Like, when you sell a oh, – they don't know that you worked at Petrus no. and Baroche. And but, you know, it's Cinequa. a lot easier to do now with uh, the internet and social, social media. media yeah. mm-hmm. It's a level peer playing field. You can communicate with so many people. Exactly. Yeah. And that's in something – the old days, you couldn't do. You couldn't right. do it. It's like a yeah, and that's something, and yeah. that's something that – you know, I've, you know, lo- working for the people that I've worked for, they work in quite a high level of discretion. For me, I felt like I've kind of been um, sensitized or desensitized to really showcasing what I'm doing. And that's something that we're doing this year is we're taking a new, fresh approach and just showcasing the stuff that we're doing as we're doing it. Well, um, I'm excited to hear about you have a new kind of thing. I, I yeah. love the vibe that you have already you already have now. Yeah. I can't wait to see what comes out more from you. You have to promise me when stuff gets completed. Yeah, we'll run it back. We must run it back. Yeah, we'll run it back for sure. And, All right, uh, cool. We'll come Good. back full circle. I love it. I loved my conversation with you in the moments you just met James Suckling. I thought that was a, a really kind of fresh and like vulnerable and exciting moment in, in my just meeting James Suckling and your winemaking career and yeah. what he said. I thought that was really cool. So you're on a really interesting path. It's so cool. And I loved the fact that, you know, all of your experience and the way you take everything and do everything has this really unique stride about it. And it's really like blazing your own trail in the same way, like what Damien, what you've been able to do with this property. I mean, really making your own where, you know, a lot of us kind of, we, we hear about the pioneers and the, and the Eberleys and the Beckett's and all this stuff here, but you really took over a property that, and did so such good with it, modernized it, made it beautiful and really put your own fingerprint, your own oh, signature oh, on oh, it. We didn't even talk about Alberino, you know. That oh my God, that's so true. You know, Alberino, that's, that's one of our signature signature wines. You're right. We, in fact, the first Alberino symposium that ever happened was right, right here. here. I was yeah. there. Yeah. You know, this, this is why I should have done it earlier because yes, you know, these vintages now they're hard work. I know. You know, yeah. I take the ibuprofen bef- when I get up in the morning, knowing that I got so many tons coming. How many apples do you take a day? And I'm not, not saying that. You're not going to say it? Yeah. Tumeric yeah. shots. Hippo. You know, I used to say there's a lot of good beer. Tumeric shots. A lot of good beer that goes to making good wine, but when you're my age, 
Oh, it's a hit. Some peptides. Yeah. If you guys aren't on the turmeric peptides game. Yeah. Yeah. Get that plasma. I don't know. Right. Gotta, you've got to yeah. figure something to do. How do we find out about you? Follow you on Insta uh, and then learn about when we can taste your wine, when it can't happen. Uh, yeah. So uh, you can follow me on All Bear. Kind of A-L-L-B-A-E-R. You're right on. Alex Bear. Yep. What's the last and name from? What is it? It's my uh, or like, what kind of surname? German. Is it? Okay. My, my grandma is a f- immigrant. I know Chris Bear, not far from where we are right now. Yeah, Max. Oh, so Libre. His typical yeah. association. Uh, oh, no boxing in our family. Damien Grinley, Brecken Estate Winery. It is absolutely beautiful here. Some of the oldest, the oldest Cab Franc, Cabernet that you're going to find planted. Uh, how do we taste? The Brecken. So, uh, com was, was uh, I think, the website you're looking for. There's a link there to make an appointment. Um, tasting rooms open seven days a week, um, 11 till 5. Love to show you some of our wines. We always have something special. Um, it may not be the wines we've tasted today because they don't last very long. You do it right here, though. Like, all your people, like, I remember some of your old staff that I was tight with. Like, you you always have great people here. You always have great hospitality. Damien, like, you do, you and your family here, you do it right, man. Like, I've always loved your, your essential, you know, desire for quality, and you're so unique. I've always really dug you, man. No more caves for you. I want to keep you no, whole. No, I like, be, uh, you're going to go caves? Gonna bring me, going to bring me to one of them, then. You can't keep me out of a cave. <laughs> really? Yeah. But, see, that's the thing, is uh, maybe he's in the pursuit, because uh, experiences are the defining moments are, in people right, right. And, and that experience he's for an him explorer. is the one that keeps going and I'm, yeah. think, I'm thinking then, of getting my own mule to carry all my crap in with me when I go into these yeah, that that's remote. difficult to, as, to send a thousand no. how do you do into, that <laughs> what? how do you ascend 600 feet or whatever with a mule <laughs> no 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 there's, there's techniques there's techniques alright yeah, okay yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to get into the rope work. It's a little, yeah, yeah. Technical. That's a whole other podcast. It's a whole other podcast. That geo. I, I know you guys will take it in the whole wrong direction. Oh, there we uh, go. Yeah, well, yeah. I just loved hanging out here at Brecken. Thank you for opening up your incredibly beautiful place, <laughs> Damien, to us. I've been through your vineyards. I've been up here. You've oh, taken wow. us there's all. No, there's no move left. No, the, the, a little bit left. Oh, yeah, I'll right, take a little right, bit. Right. And then, uh, Alex, thank you so much for your time. It's always good to see you, dude. And I've been a big fan of you. So thank you to have you here. Thanks for sharing where wine takes you. Thank you. Thanks again to Damien for hosting us and the great wines. And of course, Alex, he brought some barrel samples. It was super fun to taste. I was looking forward to cracking open one of his bottles for sure, but I guess I'm going to have to wait a little longer as he was straight out of wine. But I will hold him to running it back and opening some all bear for sure when they become available. You know I will. For more on Brecken, you can check out Brecken Estate, B-R-E-C-O-N, BreckenEstate.com. And for all bear, A-L-L-B-A-E-R, allbear.com. Okay, on to our Travel Paso Spotlight. Today, we're talking to our friends from the Allegretto Vineyard Resort. This is almost like a little mini episode. You're getting a little double feature, double value, a twofer in a way today because we have a great conversation here with some of the core team. We got the GM of the property, Rich Faruni, who's incredible. We got Judy, who runs the spa, Rory, who runs the winery's tasting room, and their new executive chef, Jeremy Fike. So if you have not been there, They're on the east side of Paso, off Highway 46 East in Buena Vista. It's like being transported to a Tuscan mansion. It's unreal. Every direction you look, 
excellence. Beautiful art that just stops you in your tracks. I want to get right into it. It's a deep dive of a Travel Paso spotlight, meeting our friends from the Anagreto Vineyard Resort. And don't forget, your last chance to win your way in to a two-night stay here, plus wine tasting, plus dinner at Cello. I'll give you the 411 after the chat. Let's go. I love hearing so in the room you actually see Doug Ayers and honestly my fiance and I watched that loop like three times we were probably like we were so in because he is so I've never seen look you couldn't pay an actor or you couldn't pay an influencer tourist to do what he does around the grounds with that enthusiasm like rich here's a guy who has traveled all over the world brought things back in containers almost like william randolph hurston and gets to say i feel the energy i feel this belongs here i feel this belongs here no let's move it to here it's really remarkable isn't it you know it truly is he is one of a kind and if you look at his, some of his background it's truly amazing he studied religion and music so a lot of what you see how he describes it comes not only from what you're seeing in his face at that moment but the depth of his soul of where it came from he's quite special i have to say i'm so gifted to be able to work with somebody like him who has such a deep vision that has created this incredible tuscan inspired resort before i get into your history because it's it's vast and you have a lot of experience in hospitality, which I think is so awesome. And I really feel hospitality is one of these things where you can find someone who can like, quote, learn the brand and learn the mission. But a lot of this is coming from the heart. And in the times that I've stayed here, especially the most recent one recently, I mean, whether it's Chef or whether it's Judy and her team or whether it's Rory and the Wine Gals, I mean, there is a hospitality or whether it's the the gentlemen who are parking up front the valet and the bell services like there is a mission for hospitality but more than that a heart for it you know it's so true i think every one of our individuals here we have over 225 employees it's just a great place to work they feel a sense of what doug actually created here which is an incredible tuscan mansion when you walk into it the sense that our guests get our employees get as well and so many of them tell me all the time of how how great it is and special to work here it's not just doug but his family the heirs family is very very special i've never seen in 30 years that i've been in the hospitality industry industry such great people who really treat everyone so well and we try to model it here in fact every wednesday we do something called appreciation day for all of our employees to show them that we really greatly appreciate who they are the dedication that they bring to the table and create support for each of the team members plus make all of our guests feel happy today the chef and our food and beverage director went up to our housekeeping all 24 members of the team and serve them an incredible, beautiful gelato and uh, also um, some beautiful cookies. So it was just another way that we express to our employees that we greatly appreciate them. We have other um, programs that we do here like uh, the Commitment to Excellence where we bring every team member together once a month and anybody whose name has been mentioned for delivering great customer service here at the resort, we reward them and celebrate that success in front of everybody else. But all of our team members are selected. In other words, when they come here, I thank them for coming to work with us 
and I tell them we appreciate that they have chosen to work here and we've chosen them because we look for people who really feel genuinely interested in bringing hospitable service to our guests and to support each other in the resort. One phrase that comes to mind as I reflect on staying here and like the mission here is one of a kind. First of all, when you walk through here, you see pieces of art and artifacts that Doug appreciated from all over the world and literally are one of a kind where you will walk down and see maybe down this aisle. I mean, even if our hotel room wasn't even near these rooms, but we just had to walk the grounds and see, oh my God, that marble elephant piece, you know, or... um, Audrey really loved this piece that had this whole explanation on the side. It was this um, painting from India about couples and had the, 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 the peacock and the, the couples. And the, it, it was just incredible. And all the different things you see here from the arch that you walk under to go into the elevator. I mean, things that Doug found from all over the world to like this big redwood oak. I mean, things were done very deliberately, thoughtfully, and they're one of a kind. You know, they truly are. He is a curator of fine art. In another world in life, he could be the curator of a museum because in a way, that's what he's created here. Quite honestly, every piece of art here has been hand-selected by him on his travels throughout the entire world. And, um, you know, it's very eclectic art because it comes from all over the world, not just Italy, but uh, a lot of pieces from Asia, India, Indonesia, a variety of places, even from England, you'll see great places, pieces all over the entire resort. Many, many times when I used to walk down the hallway, just like you did, and I would look and I would watch people look at the art, they would glance and then walk down the hallway. And I thought to myself, They probably saw the art, but they didn't understand it. That's when I decided to bring in our private docent. And Carol, who is amazing docent for us, she will give private tours to all of our guests every weekend to explain to them the art, where it came from, what was Doug's actual vision at the moment that they selected any of these pieces of art. So it is very, very special. And also, as you had seen, on our TV in each guest room, there is a loop that tells all about our Allegretto Resort, all of the different aspects about the spa, about our winery, about cello, but it also goes in to about five to eight minutes on the art selection here. Very, very interesting and a truly a, a joy to be able to show people um, from all over the country the special art collection here. When you're here, you're made to feel very special, you know, no matter who you are. You come in those doors, it's a, it's a hearty greeting, an earnest effort to really make you feel very special until the day you leave. You know, I think that one of our goals as a team, and we have a wonderful team of members who work with us, it's a great place to work. I appreciate working here. I know all of our team members do. We have great team members, and they all know that one of our goals here is to create an evangelist of every guest who walks out the door, to make sure that they walk away having felt heartfelt experience, service by intention, and to feel that they were really well cared for here in this incredible inspired Tuscan resort. And then of course, there's all the experiences they have here. Besides uh, Carol, our docent tour, we also have a variety of other things that go on. Rory will talk about later, our wine tours, which are really quite fabulous because you know we're on a full vineyard resort here with over 20 acres, and he'll get into that a little bit further. But uh, also, you know, we do have the tandem bicycle which are kind of fun in this 
area. People can go and take a, a great bicycle ride. Um, they can also do olive oil tasting. Um, as you probably know, we have uh, about 100 olive trees here. We do our own olive oil, our own pressing. And this is just another experience because we do olive oil tasting. We also have Ayrton, one of our singers, who sings uh, Italian love songs in the lobby every weekend, Thursday through Sunday. And uh, this weekend, we have Daniela Morrow, who is an incredible singer. We've had her sing on the staircase. She'll be here uh, Friday evening, and she is one of uh, our entertainment. As you know, in cello, we also have entertainment on a weekly basis there as well. But there's a lot of experiences at the resort here that people can come. You're not just coming to a resort in wine country. You're coming to an Tuscan-inspired resort. Why go to Italy when you can come to Tuscany right here in California and experience everything that Allegretto is? Before we get into some of the cool amenities, like we'll talk the tasting room and we'll talk to um, Judy coming up next from the spa. But, you know, chef, to have a great hotel and especially with all this luxury and hospitality, we have to start with great cuisine. And your job is really kind of tough in the sense, in my eyes, because one, you are, and I had a bunch of your cuisine recently when we stayed here. Oh my God, it's fantastic. I really love your vibe. We'll talk about some personal connections in a second. But when you're at a hotel, sometimes guests want a burger or sometimes guests want to keep it simple. So you really kind of have to ride this line of bringing your A game and bringing all the stuff that you want to feel like your wings are spreading, but also be able to deliver the staples. Yeah, that is true. I mean, you know, we have, you know, we even feed the dogs too, or the animals that come and stay at the The hotel. menu. Yes. That's so cool. And, uh, you know, we... Keep on trying to expand our menu, but also keep it simple uh, from, you know, the land of the table. But, you know, we never say no. We always take care of the guests and make sure that, you know, if they want a grilled cheese sandwich with tomatoes on it, that's what you're going to get. Chef, tell me where you came from and give me a little bit of your backstory because you're really a new blessing to this property. And I think they're lucky to have you. You're lucky to be here. And this is really a cool combo. Well, thank you. You know, um, come to find out, you and I both went to high school together back yeah. in Bakersfield. At for a year. I went there for one year. Yep. And you were there too. Yep. Stockdale High. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I grew up in Bakersfield. Um, and then I lived all over the place. I lived in Alaska. I lived in Maui. Um, you know, worked all up and down the West Coast of, uh, of, you know, the United States. And now I'm making home in Paso. How do we take the things that we picked up? Because you lived in Maui. Mm-hmm. You lived in these other places that obviously have their own culture, their own cuisine. Uh, how do we take these things, whip them into our repertoire for a chef, but then also kind of, you know, we want to lead with our own fingerprint, our own signature on things, and then, of course, honor the um, the cuisine that Allegretto is known for giving. So how did all these uh, paths cross for you, chef? You know, they all crossed great. And, you know, it was... I think it was the first day that I walked through the door here and I saw the property and went, wow, this is amazing. And, you know, the land and everything that I could do here and, you know, bringing the Ohana from Hawaii, the family life style of food here, and then also bringing the ruggedness from, you know, Alaska to here and the Basque food that we grew up in, in Bakersfield to here and just kind of taking it to the next level. You know, we're still very cowboy country here, but with class. You know, that's the best way I would describe your biscuits and gravy <laughs> because we ordered, we ordered like, here's, it's just me and my fiance. And you would have thought that poor guy who brought that food up. And when we saw the bill, we're like, we did not need to order this much food. I just had to try almost, I wanted to try, try the menu. Mm-hmm. 
the biscuits and gravy were unbelievable. It was just what you said. It was country style living with a bunch of class. Um, we got eggs. We got, oh my God, the Belgian waffles here are nuts. Mm-hmm. Everything you do, even if you dive into like the home aspect that it feeds in your soul, you are getting a high end experience on the palate. Correct. So what we try to do, me and my team, you know, we cook from the heart. And that's what we're taught as kids. Cook from the heart and the soul. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're just taking something classical and making it ours. And making it lovely and flavorful. And, you know, where you're going to tell everybody about it. You're going to remember trying the fish with your father as a kid. Or smell the oak charbroiler, you know, and taste that steak and go, wow, I remember camping with my family. And now I'm having this, you know, it's always those remembrance in your head, you know, favorite place on the resort. What is a place that just speaks to you for whatever reason, whether you get to visit it a lot or not, you know, it, I love the area that, you know, you shot in your video and just, you know, I take walks around the resort every day, you know, and just zone out. And <clears throat> since I am a Gemini, I kind of, you know, go over to where the um, horseshoe pits are and, you know, walk around that area. But you know, you got to love it. Um, probably my number one favorite area is just walking out to my herb garden, clipping herbs. You How know. fun is that? You got a nice setup out there. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and just trimming the tomatoes and, you know, seeing the fresh fruit and seeing everything that's growing and, you know, coming up with new recipes and new ideas like, Oh, I could do this tonight. Oh, look at this. I could do that. I mean, I took lavender out there and, you know, whipped it in feta cheese and that was the amuse-bouche for the night. So good. Uh, Chef, we're going to come back to you, talk more about the new menu that is coming up because it's exciting. Um, Judy, this was so much fun. I haven't gotten a massage like that. We did a couple's massage here. And look, we've had couple's massages before, but man, the experience here and the hospitality again, and really the acumen of these therapists, it was, it was wild. Yeah, I uh, hear from guests quite a bit that uh, have been all over the world that they've had the best massage ever at Spa Allegretto, and that makes me really, really happy. I'm really picky about who actually comes to work for us. They have to be a talented massage therapist, but also have a really good attitude. What is an interview like that for a massage therapist? Are you like, okay, I'm going to take off my clothes. I'm going to take off my clothes. I'm going to get on a table. Yeah. You're going to massage me. Yeah. I mean, that's literally what you got to do. Just like chef. I'm sure you had to cook for the team here. Yes, I did. You know? So it's like, heck yeah. Yeah. We had, uh, I had Delphina and she was just badass. Small but mighty. Yeah, for real. Right. And then uh, Odds had Jessica and we did a couple's massage. You even have this called like the duo duo the duo duo is something i created i took the best of all the things we offer at the spa and i created a couple's massage it's called a duo duo because it's two hours it's a couple's massage it starts with a hot stone massage and then we also have a mineral oil wrap as part of that and the mineral oil is actually a blend of the osea body balm and the osea oil and uh, it's luxurious. You smell amazing. Your skin feels great. Um, and after the wrap, they do a scalp massage, and they also do a peptide eye treatment. And then if that's not enough, there's also Prosecco afterwards. Oh, there we go. Icing on the cake, Judy. So um, do you have to be a guest to take part of the Allegretto Spa? No. As a matter of fact, we just started a local spa membership 
It is the best bargain, I think, in Paso Robles. It's $150 for the year, and you get discounted spa services during the week. It's great. And you also get 10 free yoga classes, uh, wine room tastings, and discounts on rooms. So well, if someone's listening deal. and paying attention to this conversation, they're going to want to stay here. But for some reason, if they already got their house Airbnb booked, or they already got their reservations for Wine Fest or Harvest already locked in, and unfortunately not here, they can literally come and still enjoy the hospitality of the spa. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guarantee after that, that'll, that'll get them to book here next time for sure, right? Uh, Rory is uh, in the tasting room, and that's the one thing, lest you think there is not enough here with the spa and all the different departments they have here that are so deliberately thought through. Allegretto's got its own winery, and they do wine that's uh, from the vineyards back here and more. Some really thoughtful uh, white blends. We're drinking the Duetto right now, which Rory will get into. But I remember first tasting some of these wines with Doug probably five, six years ago and uh, in, the, in, in Cello, your restaurant, and really getting through some fun things. I mean, the, the, the vineyards have evolved, and, and Doug and the winemaking has evolved. And Rory, it's become, uh, you've become your own little monster here. Yeah, we've, uh, last five years have definitely outgrown our space within, as far as the tasting room goes, we could expand and to watch the process go from uh, 20 acres here, property here with seven acres of grapes to 18 acres of grapes in the west side to now we have a 70 acre ranch out there as well. So we have three properties and it's quickly growing. So when you come to Allegretto, you can actually go through a tasting. And I imagine, like Judy said with the spa, you could come here for a tasting and not necessarily be staying here, but just visit Allegretto, see the grounds, have a glass of wine, taste the flight, and just appreciate it like you would any other tasting room in Paso. 100%. Come in, do a tasting, grab a glass, and then you can take that glass and walk the resort. So you get to experience all the art, almost treat it like an a a tasting room and a museum at the same exact time. What's your favorite place on the property? Oh, I'm a Pisces at heart. So I like being near the Abbey or the chapel outside. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the demo vineyard where the Gemini sign is, is one of my favorite places because it's so unknown by people and you don't really get to get out there and see the true beauty of what's going on out there. So rich, we literally had, we have an Abbey, which is like a chapel. It's right next to, it's right below the bell tower, right near where we were staying. And it is like this little teeny chapel. It's the coolest, you know, I don't use the word cute a lot, but it is the coolest, cutest thing that you've ever seen. You know, it's incredible. I think when Doug first designed this, he wanted to put the chapel in line where, with where a chapel would be in relationship to the town in Europe, like St. Emilion. That's exactly what he did. So some people say, why is the chapel kind of directed the way it is? Everything he does here is by intention. That chapel, to walk inside of it, if you look up, you'll see frescoes on the ceiling. We have the only place I've ever worked in my entire career where we have actually two artists on staff here. Whenever they see a blank wall, they start to get nervous and they want to paint. The chapel (laughs) is stunningly beautiful. This time of day is actually perfect because the sun comes through and comes through all the incredible stained glass windows and creates these beautiful dancing prisms on the wall. Mm. It's truly a sight. Okay, you had one of our shows. In fact, we love the show so much, we know it ended and we can't bear to watch the last seven episodes because we know, first of all, we cry in every episode anyways because it's This Is Us but to watch the show end is very tough but in one of the final episodes the crew and it was big news here when it was happening but the crew of This Is Us filmed an episode or two right here on uh, the grounds 
Yes, they did. Uh, it was an incredible experience. First of all, as probably people know, it was a Disney experience. And um, I have been involved in, in shoots like that over my career probably five or six times, but I never saw one of this magnitude in this day and age because I really thought they were going to show up with two or three cameras on their shoulder. It was anything like that. They probably put out a bunch of trailers in the uh, there were back there. 40 star trailers in the back. Oh they covered the entire area. They set up a commissary, so they served... They had over 200 people here. It was pure magic. Now, personally, I watched the show once or twice. I wondered what it was all about. Yeah. Everybody's hugging each other and crying all the time. I know. But I know. it was just stunningly beautiful. All <laughs> did of they the do a wedding here? Did they stay here? They, they did stay here, yes. So, like, in the story, and don't, don't, you better not spoil it for me, but in the story, I'm dying to know, were they in Tuscany or were they at the Allegretto? They were at the Allegretto. Which is Tuscany in California. Indeed. But I'm wondering if, because you could, honestly, you could film the grounds here and tell people this is a hotel in Tuscany. It looked I'm like if they did that. It looked like one of Diane Lane's show. You remember her in the Tuscan uh, resort. But yeah. it does look like it. I mean, anywhere you go here, you feel like you're actually in Tuscany. So many people did actually. Did they do a wedding? That. Is that what they, what were they here for? What were they shooting? They were shooting scenes that had to do with, uh, prior to the wedding, had to do with uh, discussions among amongst the cast okay. that were developing uh, okay. their characters. That's really what that was I'm all so about. I'm so nervous what he's going to say, yeah. Chef. I'm like, he's going to ruin it for me. <laughs> we haven't watched this episode yet. But of course, I want to like get it from you and learn it. But as you know, we couldn't really say too much during that period of time. But I can tell you, I had so many calls, not just from people who lived in the community because they wanted to know what was going on when they saw 40 star trailers sitting out back. But I also, when it was filmed, I got, I got calls from people all over the country, including Europe, because everybody had seen it. People know about Allegretto in the hospitality world, many people were calling me just saying, I cannot believe that was filmed there. It was quite a backdrop, hugely exciting. It went over nine days. I guess it was about eight days. It's kind of a pain in the ass. When they were leaving, I just felt a sigh of relief. Yes. That that everything was completed successfully. But I mean, is it kind of a pain in the ass to have, I mean, you have have hotel, you have hotel. We had to worry about everything, quite honestly, because what ended up happening, like a lot of these things, they didn't sign the contract quickly. As a result, we had about 75 other guests who were here. So we personally had to reach out to them and say, oh, by the way, you may see some wires underfoot. There may be some areas that are going to be closed. If you want to change your dates, we're happy to do that Did for you. freak out on you? One or two. Yeah. But uh, most of them said, we'll change the dates. Give others me an autograph said, from Mandy Moore. We're good. <laughs> others say, we're not sure what it is, but we're coming anyway. And uh, that's really about it was. But I do want to say um, that we're so appreciative to be a part of the Paso Robles community. I want to invite all of our locals here that we do staycations. We do special rates. We do specials in the restaurant. I encourage you to go to our website, sign up for our email newsletter so you can see exactly what's going on here. Because if you think about this, it's a great place for a wedding destination. Your kids get married. My kids get married. This is the place to come to. It's a great place to take your lover, your girlfriend, your wife, husband, or significant other um, to come here just for a weekend as a getaway for a special occasion. And, you know, it's also great to come to the spa. And we have meetings here. Last year, we did over 200 meetings and 52 weddings. And they all went away happy. Yeah, you got a lot of corporate space here. I mean, I, I've done like a cab collective thing here and, and a big old room in like the St. Emilion rooms or, and stuff like that. So you 
We do, and thank yeah. you for pronouncing that special because I had a little trouble saying St. Emily Yon. Yeah. But <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, we do have a ballroom here that will seat about 225 for a wedding or for a corporate event. We get uh, groups that come out of San Francisco, that come out of the South Bay Area, Silicon Valley, L.A., Orange County, um, uh, Fresno, Bakersfield, all over the United States. We had a big group here last week. Oh, I, I really can't mention the name, but you'd be surprised the Fortune 500 companies that come here. And they come because they're really coming to find an incentive destination to bring their group that's going to be un- unique, special, and unusual. Paso is on the map. It, it is really definitely is. definitely on the map. And I can tell you that once they look at Paso, they're looking for a four-diamond resort. And I'm very, very proud and happy to say that last week we had our AAA four diamond inspecting and we passed again at over four diamond so proud of our team for the incredible job they've done (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) the chef and his culinary team did an absolutely amazing job in cello we appreciate you chef thank you for all the great creativity that you bring here and thomas as well the rest of our team with the guys in the kitchen rory thank you for you and liz and all the great job that you do obviously it goes without saying judy is doing a wonderful job we're so happy but we have so many great employees like you know if you think about it our, our our front office manager our executive housekeeper our director of engineering these are all normal people like all of us who come here by intention every day and bring their a game to make sure that we support each other create a great atmosphere for our guests for each other and hopefully profit for the owners because in the end that's really important too yeah no doubt i like how you because you're real you guys are all real here but um it's soulful and it's uh, it's real in that sense as well. Uh, some of the wines that you make, Rory, here I know this duetto is a beautiful white blend of what little Viognier, Vermentino Viognier. It's all estate grown, back of the hillside. Nice. What are some of the other wines? I know your Tanat is. Uh, people are raving about that. We have our Tanat. There's uh, 390 wineries. I want to say something close to that in Paso and. 15 grow tonight, and only six of us make 100% standalone, and we're one of those few. What are some of the other wines that you're making? Uh, we make a rosé of tonight. We're the only winery in Paso doing a rosé out of tonight. Fun. Um, what does that offer? What does tonight offer a, a dry rosé? With the rosé, it's going to offer your boulder-style rosé. It's year-round. You can put it in a glass and put it at the summertime, at the pool during the summertime, 100-degree heat. You can also take it home at Thanksgiving time, put it with turkey, things like that, and nice. it's going to pair well. Very cool. You got to come and check out some of the wines here. And, you know, Chef, I mean, yes, you got the Allegretto wines on the list, but you have a really thoughtful wine list <laughs> that includes local and wines from all over the place. Yeah, we do. We, uh, we have a lot of local wines. We stay with local wines. Um, and then, you know, we have Super Tuscanies coming in. We have a lot of different wines from Italy starting to arrive that we could get. Um, but we really stand behind, you know, Allegretto wines and that drives our food, and that's what we make our menu for is, you know, come and try our wine and our food together and pair it. Yeah, that's so cool. What is what is a menu item right now on the new menu that you are just really excited about? Like, oh, I can't wait to roll the curtains back on this, check it out. Is there one that's kind of really lighting you up or what? There's a couple that are lighting me up right now. I mean, we just came out with a new panzanilla salad. We're making our own burrata. Um, you know, grilled um, local asparagus, uh, nice uh, focaccia that we actually make in-house, and then we're tossing it in that. You know, again, we have that big, huge tomahawk steak that we're slow smoking on uh, red oak, a nice tanat demi-gloss, and then truffle butter on top of that. That makes you go, wow. Yeah. And then, you know, all of our local fish that's coming in. And lastly, our Morro Bay rock crab bisque. You know, we get the crab right out of the water. 
we make a, a nice fume with it and then make a bisque with a fume. It's amazing. It's it's everything that you want and you remember, you know. I even turned to my fiance at one time, Rich, and was like, Man, they have a even their iced tea is really good. You know, like even the iced tea's bomb. Uh, Judy, let's uh, let's wrap with you in as far as uh, finding out uh, what more we need to reach out to the spa and how does somebody book one of your talented therapists for, say, uh, a massage. So you can book online or you can call us or you can stop us in the hall. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll book you um, if we have availability. And it is a boutique spa. We only have five rooms, so we do book up a lot uh, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. So if you are coming to Allegretto and you do want spa treatments, it's, it's really wise to book ahead of time because we do... Uh, have limited space. Well, people to call in or do it from online. What what is easier? I think calling is probably the best, yeah. especially there are a lot of couples that are booking, and it's easier to do it when you call. Yeah, your girls were super easy and really hospitable, and then the the therapists were fantastic, and a lot. Of, it was really cohesive. A lot of times with a, a couples massage, it could be a little bit. It can be. We've been to places where it's like a little chaotic. Are you coming here? It was just like so simple and smooth. So thank you for that, and thank you for Delfina sure. and Jessica and thank you. and your hospitality. I really I really liked meeting you and chatting with you too. Thank you. Yeah, Rich. You've done it, man. Tell me where um, we've we've got experience uh, decades long in the hospitality business, right? You've you're obviously no strength. This is not your first rodeo at all. No, uh, you know I've been in the, in the hospitality business for about thirty years. I graduated Penn State in, in Pennsylvania. Worked with Hyatt straight out of school. You talked to Gary Eberly? <laughs> yes, of course. Of course, you did. Uh, Penn State alone. He was the first guy who I went up and, and had a glass of wine with because nice. he's special. Number one, he did graduate Penn State like I do. But uh, luckily, I've had a wonderful career. Um, I worked in Santa Fe, New Mexico, for thirteen years before I came here. I worked for Rock Resorts and Rosewood, and uh, I've just been a working person in this industry, enjoying working with people, whether it's our guests or employees. Um, I'm well suited for the job. I enjoy it every day. Uh, it is hugely different every single day, but it's a lot of fun to be in the hospitality business. And quite honestly, the last few years, of course, they were a big challenge for everybody's, but we all got through it. And I think we're in a better place today. And to be honest with you, uh, we're more, I'm more acutely aware of nutrition these days, and I think everybody should be. Um, I really appreciate the chef and him bringing uh, a lot of the Tuscan influence into our great menus. And Judy is working on nutrition um, and some focus on wellness in our spa. So like I said, this resort is an evolution. And it truly is a resort that's developing. It's developed it over the six and a half years I've been here. It's truly different today and far better today than it was uh, when it first opened because of everybody involved and everybody bringing something to the table, creativity, and uh, wanting to make sure that everybody who comes here has a good time. Judy, favorite spot on the property that you really like? And then I'm going to ask you, Rich, next. I love the Mount of Olives. It's a really great view, and it's just very peaceful up there. And we've had yoga up there, and it's amazing. Rich, favorite spot on the property? It is absolutely the Abbey. Um, when you were here this past weekend, you probably noticed that I now put music in there. So when you walk into the Abbey now, you're surrounded by this incredible music. I do love our Sonic Lambreth as well. And the Mount of Olives is great. But I think the spot where I go to when I need to stop, feel the sense of the stillness of the air, um, take a brain check that I'm alive and thinking about the right things, Yeah, I'm in the Abbey. And sometimes I even stay, say a prayer for everybody in my circle. 
it's funny like you could have a a real pain in the ass uh guest and right before you're about to just level them and like they're just so out of out of touch and out of pocket you're like you know hold on i'm gonna call you back what room are you all right i'm gonna call you back in 90 seconds i'm gonna run to the abbey i'm gonna get right <laughs> i'm gonna make sure that this goes okay it, it, it that is you. so true yeah. and so true uh 99.9 percent of the guests who come here we hug and we love them all, but then there's always one. Because there's always customers are customers for sure. Um, talk to me about Paso before we wrap, because Paso, uh, Rich, right now, you mentioned in the beginning of this conversation, it's on fire. I mean, this podcast is heard in over 100 countries, all 50 states. I mean, and people are saying that they're listening to it and designing their travel around it, which is just so it's huge it's so cool to see somebody and really listening to conversations like with you and judy and chef and rory to to like oh my god they sounded so cool chef sounded so great i want to taste that 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 tomahawk or you know i want to taste that white blend or oh my god the way judy described you know her her therapist i want to get in there uh pasta was really blowing up talk about a, a little bit of that and, and kind of allegretto's role in it but just more on a macro paso level so, you know, Paso is really a happening. And, you know, I hear it from guests who come here all the time. I'm on the, I'm on the board of Travel Paso. So, of course, we spend a lot of time and energy trying to make sure that we understand the markets that are coming here, those that are, who aren't, and the areas that we need to focus on. But it's hot. It's definitely hot. I mean, you take a look. Um, Linda is our PR company. She does a great job. And if you look at a lot of the PR that we get out there, um, you know, it's, it's Paso is known for, you know, primarily it's red wine. And uh, it's becoming the talk of the coffee tables in New York, L.A., Chicago, Atlanta, and other areas of the country, if not internationally as well. I mean, people are talking about it because they know that this is a different version. It's a different vibe than you can go to Napa. It's much more casual. The, uh, the vineyards here are much more open. They're more hospitable. Not that Napa isn't. I love Napa. It's wonderful. They have great wines. It's for auto uh, parts. Right? <laughs> it's all great. Uh, our traffic here is non-existent. And the other thing I have to say is this. The central coast of California is absolutely incredible. <clears throat> it is so diverse. And everybody who comes here, I tell them, go up the street, see Gary Eberly. Go over to Dow if you want to see the, the, the other side of the equation. Go to Robert Hall. Go to Vino Robles to see the Beach Boys coming up here in a couple weeks. Come back to the event center with everything that's going on there. But take a half a day and drive straight across 46, past all those incredibly beautiful vineyards, and stop right in Cayucas. Look at the beach. Go right 10 miles, see Hearst Castle, right on your way up to Ragged Point, and see the cliffs that absolutely are drop-dead gorgeous and look just like Ireland. Yeah, it's we're very, very blessed to be where we live, uh, Rich. I love your passion. I love how you put things, and I love that you were literally you know, working a day when we happened to pull up and, and came up to greet us when we walked in. And all of your team members, whether they're, you know, a director like uh, Judy or a chef, uh, Jeremy Fike, or like Rory, 
incredible. All of their staff were, you know, bright and smiley and fantastic and heartfelt with hospitality. So it really means a lot. And I hope people will, will check out the Allegretto. And um, it was really cool for you guys to put up over the last few uh, weeks. We did a contest. So someone's going to come here and actually have an experience like this. And it's going to be absolutely incredible. Chef, it was so much fun to connect with you. I can't wait to see you again. I'm probably going to grab, if I'm here, I'm probably going to grab some on my way out. Your, Your food is too good not to. So well, thank you. Come and hang out with me in the kitchen. Yeah, I would love to do that. Yes. Oh, now it's on. I would it's love on. that. We'll put you on the barbecue grill. Sweet. Or, or the new pizza ovens that we just bought for outside. You got two new pizza ovens. Yes, yes. One by the pool, which is dope. One by the pool that's going to get going, so you could have pizzas and hamburgers and everything by the pool. Or our new cowboy cookout that's going to launch next month. What's a hamburger take on a pizza oven? A couple of minutes. Damn. I mean, you're cooking at 800 degrees. I never heard of a hamburger on a pizza oven. That's brilliant. It's something different. So good. Uh, Rory, how can people come and taste uh, the beautiful wines and experience the product through uh, through your winery? Yeah, you can call in directly to the hotel and they'll patch into the tasting room or you can go on talk. Do you need a reservation? You, we take walk-ins. We take reservations. Reservations are always recommended, but we take walk-ins as well. If we're sp- fully packed, we'll get you a glass of wine or a bottle. We'll sit you out in the courtyard or we'll let you walk the resort. So I can do a tasting and flight or I can come here for a glass Glass. of duetto. Yep. You guys got it all. I can't thank you enough for having me, for treating me so nicely. It's honest and real what you guys put out there for folks and you treat everyone the same and it's really beautiful. Cheers to Alegretto. Salute. And sharing where wine takes you. Fantastic. Well done. Pleasure. Give me that long time, we'll get by, we pass on round till the job is done. Camped out in the trees, it will simplify and good company. Thanks so much to the Allegretto team. I'm telling you, check this place out. Even if you're not staying there, on your next trip to Paso, come by, walk around, and be like, oh, I got it now. I see it now. You know what I mean? Wow. Okay, so last chance. Like I said, if you're going to have a chance to win your way in to the two-night stay at the Allegretto, dinner at Cello, wine tasting, here's what you do. Go to your podcast app. Simply rate us five stars, subscribe to the podcast, and leave a review. That's it. In your review, make sure you leave us your Instagram handle so we can get in touch with you. And be sure to follow Allegretto on Insta, Facebook, see what they got going on. And for anything else related before your next trip, check out TravelPaso.com. All right, jam-packed episode today. Where Wine Takes You, executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer is Jen Bravo. And many thanks to Jamie Guzman for fulfillment. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. Original music on the podcast. Good Company, performed by Moonshiner Collective, available wherever you stream your music. You can also learn more about the band, moonshinercollective.com. If you're coming out for the summer anytime at all, make sure you check them out and see where you could find them live, because Dan Curcio and what he does, and what the band does, is pretty incredible. Equipment transport and technical consideration provided by Fly With Wine. Next time you're cruising around the Central Coast, you can tune me in on your radio. My morning show, Up and Adam in the Morning, heard on Wine Country Radio, The Crush 92.5, spelled with a K. We've got a website, crush925.com. Also got a free app in your smartphone. I cannot thank you enough for being here, connecting with us. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Till next time, let's lift that glass up high and cheers to the paths we choose in life, as different as they may be, but how they can ultimately lead us to some unexpected places, like a bottle of wine, which then takes you on its own journey. 
choose to pave in your own way, using your talents and lessons that you pick up along the way, and to the endless possibilities of where wine takes you. And give me that push, I won't get by, we pass all down till the job is Get out in the trees, it will simplify, good come. Give me that push, I won't get by, we pass all down till the job is Get out in the trees, it will simplify, good come. Give me that push, I won't get by, we pass all down till the job is Camped out in the trees who will simplify and good company. 